Confessing should be easy. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Investing Should Be Easy. I'm your host, Alex Richwagon, recording this on a Monday edition, which I'll explain really shortly on a May 13th, beautiful night, and uh, self or uh, author of a few different books, most notably Investing Should Be Easy. And tonight's show, which is going to get started really soon, um, we're recording this on a Monday, um, kind of go into a little bit of the personal realm for just a minute. My, uh, my wife is uh, pregnant with our second child, and she is due tomorrow. And why I'm bringing this to your attention, so I won't be able to be recording at the hospital, but hopefully next week I do not miss a show because of what's going on in the stock markets today but um i did want to get into the personal note just for a minute because it takes a you know it gives you a minute to take a step back and focus on what the important things are life you got these crazy stock markets crazy events um all the pundits on the news trying to get you all excited hot and bothered it's going to be fine over the long term this is just going to be in a little blip on the radar last week i called it christmas in may and I'm going to continue in that trend. I, I love the the sentiments. We're going to go through some names and some other different pieces that you want to get to the show. So we're going to continue on the same topic level of Christmas in May and why the stock market is actually a great buying opportunity for some names that we like. So that's what today's show is about. If you have any questions, comments, uh, feedback, alex.richwagon at gmail.com. That's alex.richwagon at gmail.com. So as we talked about last week, the market sell-off does continue. Um, this this today, um, you know, Monday was definitely one of the worst ones, about 700 points down in the Dow, um, 200 plus points on the NASDAQ. And there are some strategies on how to adjust. I want to talk about market outlook for not only the next six months, but for the next year and a couple different directions that Depending on how you feel about it, you can take one of those directions, or you can just take the long-term approach and say, you know what, I really don't care about the short-term and what this is going to mean, and the ongoing battle between the United States and China, and the tariff war between Trump and President of China. Uh, I'm just going to kind of weigh it out and buy and buy just continue my um, dollar-cost strategy going forward. So I'm going to give you three different options on kind of the approach. Um, I'm still going to call it Christmas in May because I still think there is tremendous buying opportunity from some of the lows that we just had about two months ago. Names like Amazon, names like Apple. Apple's down 10% off its highs, um, which was trading about the same amount, 185, about two months ago. Then you've got Amazon down about the similar range. A lot of these big names are down about 10% across their highs, which is, again, these are great buying opportunities across the entire market. If you just said, I just want to blanket across all the tech industries, I really believe in the industry, F-Tech. It's a uh, ETF that Fidelity supports, and you can just grab that. But we're going to go into three different segments tonight, and the first one is long-term strategy. If you don't want to deal with the short-term hustles and you're really not concerned around trying to trying to understand what to do in the short-term. You're like, I, I believe in long-term strategy. I believe in the stock market over the 100 years it's been out and the 11% plus it's been generating. 
then just keep going with your gut. Keep doing dollar cost averaging. Don't worry about the short term. Uh, you can open your eyes in a year to three years and your portfolio will be just fine. We talked about two different names last week and one of which I got a reader question about it. So thank you for that. Um, we talked about STLD, which is uh, Steel Dynamics. They're definitely impacted by the trade wars and the tariffs because of steel, a very uh, known and needed commodity, especially with construction buying and construction within the industry. They're trading at a single PE. We talked about that last week. Really like them over a long-term play. Um, I've held this stock for in multiple uh, amounts, multiple price points throughout the last few years, and it's one thing I really, one name I really like. So it's STLD because of their, you know, they pay a dividend, short, long-term trajectory. Their future price-to-earnings ratios should outperform their current price-to-earnings ratio, which means they've got room to grow, um, expand that earnings per share, and continue to pay a dividend and continue to be a very needed company over the long term after this tariff uh, noise gets sorted out. Speaking of the tariffs and the auto, because I think the steel kind of plays into the auto um, industry, if you will. If, if tariffs are affecting performance of these companies, and they're, that's what they say in the earning calls, but they got a what, a 40% decrease in their taxes? So instead of paying 35% taxes, they're paying 21%. So almost a 40% decline in what their tax are paying, and they're paying a little bit more from tariffs. I don't buy what they're saying in these earning calls. It's, they're just giving you, <laughs> they're shooting it up your up your nose. It just really doesn't make any sense. So that's why I like your, uh, steel, term, steel Dynamics over the long term. I think it's an easy play, again, sh- it's a got a growth model in place. There, they've got cash flow. Their current ratio outplays their liabilities. It's it, company's fine. The other one was uh, GTT, which is a communications server company. It trades under two billion market capitalization, so it's a small cap and has a service-based model. We talked about service-based models before. Around what is a service-based model? Well, Netflix doesn't own buildings. They don't own things. They're charging subscribers on a monthly basis, which increases their monthly cash flow and allows them to go out and have a, um, a much higher valuation in the short term and the long term as well, because it says we're going to continue to keep generating uh, this user um, generated income. And the revenue model supports this long-term strategy of buying up comedy specials, buying up content. If anybody's been on Netflix lately, you'll see a lot more Netflix originals or Netflix content, and that's going to give give them higher gener- higher revenue models in the long term as they continue to sign talent and continue to continue to battle the likes of Apple and Disney over the long term of being a premium content provider. So again, that's what GTT does is they have a subscription-based revenue model on um, cloud computing for communications, security, a lot of those different components. Um, The stock ran up to almost 70% year-to-date. It's down over the past way too much. They missed earnings per share by a penny, and then they got cut up because they do have international exposure. The growth model is still in place. They, They had been beating estimates and the reason why i had such a great run-up it's only about 15 20 percent now so down about uh what 40 percent off its highs 
you still got that growth model in place. Um, love GT over the long term. Don't really doesn't really bother me that they missed earnings per that they missed their estimates by a penny on the earnings per share because again they've got a growth model in place, gonna be just fine. So if you want to stick to the long term strategy, this is the first segment. I'm all with you. That's that's what I'm doing. I'm not really worried about this stuff. I might head just a little bit in the short term and cover my portfolio if I need to protect something. So that's the second portion I want to talk about. In order to, let's say you don't want to sell everything in your portfolio, you don't want to sacrifice gains, you don't want to worry about tax consequences, you say, and I just want to keep my portfolio and I've got 10% on the side, what do I do? There's, I'm going to give you four names around uh, inverse ETFs. So we all know what an ETF is. It's a basket of traded stocks like a mutual fund. However, it's a much more liquid asset. It's got indexes of, you know, it'll mimic the S&P 500, the Dow, the Dow 30, the, the NASDAQ, and you can just pick up an index of these funds. Well, an inverse is a bet against the market. So if you're nervous and you are risk adverse and you think this might continue for, let's say, the next six months, just making up the number, and you say, you know what, I really don't want to stomach the gains. I need to preserve my capitalization, my portfolio, and I don't want to sell everything. Got four names for you. So these are inverse ETFs. Again, it's a bet against the market. You don't have to sell anything. You can just pick up these names. And so if the market goes down 1%, you gain 1%. Pretty simple. And so some of these names, I'll go over them kind of slow. Um, the first one is DOG, D-O-G. And that one represents a inverse of the, let me make sure I got it right. Which one is this one? There's three different index. So I want to make sure I get it right. It's the Dow 30. So instead of the, um, the Dow, this is the DOG, which today was up about 2.5% because the Dow was down 2.5%. So that gives you that ratio pretty quick. Other ones that if you... You know, want to look into the S&P, which is a broader index. The um, the short for that is SH. So that gives you a single inverse over the entire index. So again, we got DOG and we got SH for, um, you say that for short. And next one is a little bit of a stronger bet. So let's say that you believe um, that this could continue and you say, I want to hedge my bet even further and you had a two to one ratio. Well, the SDS is an ultra short, so it's like the dog the dog times two. So every time the, uh, actually no, it's like SH times two, sorry. So every time the S&P goes down 1%, this goes up 2%. So today it was up 5%, and in after hours trading, it's another half percent. So 5.5% was SDS, that's Sam David Sam, just in um, today's format, because obviously the S&P went down about 2.5%. So it's another... Um, index that you can use. The last one is a, um, shorting the Russell or the NASDAQ 2000. That one is RWM. Again, these are good short-term instruments to hedge your bet, protect your portfolio. You're like, just going to let it ride itself out. You want to put in, um, you know, 5 10% or scale into it at a, rain, a ratio that you're going to feel comfortable with. That way, if the stock market goes down 10%, you go up 10% on one of your hedges. And it gives you a little bit more flexibility as a strategy against the market. Again, I'm in the first boat where these opportunities are presenting 
tremendous buying opportunities over the long term and prices that I, I can pick up Steel Dynamics at a PE ratio of five or a six. That's insane. You're not going to see that again in three to five years. It might be expanded upwards of 15 on a price earnings rate. So that's expanding the PE of a double, triple, quadruple of the current ratio it is. That's a tremendous opportunity. That's why I'm so much of a fan of uh, Camp One. But I wanted to let you know there are other options. There are other strategies. And depending on your tolerance for risk, this gives you another idea, another option. The last piece that I want to talk about, and this goes into a little bit further research that I um, have been doing, is from a macro perspective. And again, not an economist, but I can get into it just a little bit, is um, a few different indicators about there could be a recession on the horizon. And recession is two straight quarters of negative uh, GDP growth, and it's not um, consecutive growth. And when we talk about um, like the actual definition, so make sure that I'm in considering here. Look on the exact definition, make sure that I'm completely clear with this. A uh, period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall of GDP for two successive quarters. So it's not the end of the world. This is just two successive quarters where it's not growing. That's not the biggest thing. Like, what if it goes down with GDP is 2.7 and then 2.6 then 2.5? I mean, it's stretched out over millions of trillions of dollars. Yes, that means a lot. But in the in the long term, it's not the, the, the biggest deal in the world. And there's two of five indicators that I did want to kind of tackle and I want to just kind of bring up. There's other ones around called corporate debt and corporate profits, and that's really breaking down their numbers in a much more aggressive fashion. You can get into that, but I'm going to give you two easier indicators that um, if you want to follow this stuff, I think these are good um, indicators that can say, if you believe that six months is a good time period and you, and you don't think that it's going to recover that fast, that's a good time period to use those short-term um, reverse ETFs or inverse ETFs. And I'll give you two indicators that you can kind of look up. And these are really, really easy. Is um, One is a yield yield curve of short-term uh, bond rates versus long-term bond rates. And long-term is usually like a 10-year bond, 10-year um, treasury yield. If at any point in time, the short-term bond is actually the interest in paying it out is higher then the long term, you're like, how could that be? Well, people start thinking in the short term that it's actually more attractive and they're not, they don't want to wait over that period of time and say short term actually could spike up over a long term period of time to give the government influx. They're going to sell those bonds like those are could be a thing. So, again, it's a it's an easy indicator on a possible recession over the next uh, year. And again, it's short term yields. And if they are above long-term yields. This um, this happened. It's getting pretty close over March and April. The spread between the 10-year and three-month treasury yield was literally 0.25% away from each other. That's really close. So something to you, again, you could Google this, really simple, look it up, um, but it's an indicator around a recession. The second one, which is another indicator, because this talks about um, a lack of 
um, discretionary spending, if you will, is um, Americans that owe money on their cars. It's more than more than a generation ago. People maybe make more money. There's there's other factors that go into this. However, the percentage of auto loans that are past due because a lot of if you think about an auto loan today, you go to a car shop, and the car shop will they want to keep the interest and do the financing in house. They don't want to let you go out and shop around, if you will. And the reason why they're doing that is because they're earning the percentage interest. It's in their best favor. It's it's an every way to squeeze an extra dollar out. So what am I getting at here? Auto loans, if what percentage of Americans are delinquent or 90 days past due on their payments is spiking. So 90 days past due, we're at a whole economy. So you say, what percentage of Americans are delinquent on their or behind it by 90 days plus on their auto loans, which means they're gonna they're in a cash crunch and they may need to refinance or extend it out further. It's around 8% um, of all Americans. And to give you an indicator, like what does that mean in a macro perspective? Like what's the, give me a comparison. Well, 2010, it was 8%. We were definitely in a recession area there. And then 2000, it was 4%. So that gives you a little bit of an indication of 4% versus 8 it's double from a historical um, trending standpoint. And it gives you something around, because think about it in terms of this. It's almost like a um, an additional subprime mortgage, if you will, and how if people are taking out more debt and they're not able to pay it, and it has a shrinking approach on their discretionary money, because you got a $400 car payment, you can't make that because you got to pay your rent or pay something else, or maybe you're just not really good at handling your money. It's an indicator from a macro perspective how much um, that's happening. And the biggest age group it's impacting are new um, new employees to the workforce. Um, ages 18 to 29 had the highest delinquency rate. And again, I thought these were two good indicators for that's easy to understand that's outside of international exposure or corporate debt or corporate profits that you can literally look at these items and kind of follow them from the yield curve and then also the auto loans. So that's that's the scoop of today's show. That's everything we wanted to talk about. And so we kind of went into um, some different options around long-term strategy that's my biggest piece, but I wanted to give a few other ideas, a um, few other strategies out there on if you want to take a short-term approach and really buckle down, say, I want to bet against the market right now because I don't like the short-term jitters and you're risk-adverse, that's cool too. The last one, track and see the recession. Is it gonna? Is your thesis going to pay off? Do you just want to, you can see in the show, I'm going to keep updating these items, but I figure I want to give you some nuggets because um, when you learn, I learn, we all learn together as far as from a research and education standpoint. So again, that's today's show. That's everything we want to talk about. If you have any questions, comments, please feel free to email at alex.richwagon at gmail.com, alex.richwagon at gmail.com. And hopefully I'll be talking to you about a week or so after my uh, wife gives birth to our baby son. And uh, really excited about that whole adventure. And I'll be kept up in the hospital for just a few days. And I'll be back. And uh, hopefully everything goes well. Hope you guys have a fantastic night. Thanks so much. Have a good night. Bye. Alex Richwagon is an investment research analyst. 
Any of his recommendations are that of Mr. Richwagon. The information presented is the opinion of his and only his research. You should not base your investment decision based solely on his opinion. Remember, it's your money and your responsibility.